Magavan and welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. And back in roughly the middle of August, before the Rings of Power actually started, there were a lot of people complaining about one particular aspect of it, which I admit I have my own beefs with, but which I think a lot of people took kind of either too far or made their point in a very not very nuanced way, and that is the issue of Warrior Galadriel. And specifically what I'm talking about is around the middle of August, a lot of people were making the comparison of Warrior Galadriel to politician Elrond, saying that they downgraded Elrond from one of the greatest warriors of the Second Age and changed Galadriel from a, basically a wise, powerful magic user to just some warrior woman. Now, the interesting thing about that is the evidence as to which of the two is a great warrior is surprisingly, well, there's not much of it. And to the extent that there is any of it, there's about as much to say that Galadriel was a great warrior as there is Elrond. And I want to explore some of that evidence here just to make the point. Now, caveat here, I am, as I mentioned, I also have my beef with the things that they're saying about Elrond being a politician and with Galadriel being a warrior and in particular a commander of Gilgalad's northern armies, which is something that was mentioned in one of the teasers even before the show launched. But I'll kind of explain a little bit of that towards the end in my own reasoning process. Before I get started, I did want to mention I have now opened up YouTube memberships. I've never really done this before. Uh, I mostly relied on Patreon, but now I've done YouTube memberships, and the, the perks over there are a little bit unique, and so you might want to choose YouTube versus something else, depending on what it is you're interested in getting. So go ahead and check that out. I've got membership badges. I've got... Uh, early access to videos on YouTube and a couple other different perks that you can't get on my other, you know, the Patreon or Utreon. So, check that out. Now, back to Elrond and Galadriel. So, the evidence on either of them is, as I said, pretty slim. One of the first pieces of evidence that we get about Elrond is just a description of him in the text itself. And there's a description of him in both The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. I'll read to you the description in The Lord of the Rings just to give you an idea. Venerable he seemed as a king crowned with many winters, and yet hale as a tried warrior in the fullness of his strength. He was the lord of Rivendell and mighty among both elves and men. Now it says that he's hale as a mighty warrior, which just means that he's healthy. He's apparently young, powerful, and strong, and everything else. He's mighty among elves and men. Mighty in what sense? Is he mighty as a warrior? Is he mighty as a magic user? Is he mighty as something else? Probably all of the above, frankly. Uh, one of the things that I think is kind of silly about this whole argument about Elrond being downgraded from a great warrior and Galadriel being given the role where she shouldn't is the idea that this isn't D&D, &D, people. I <laughs> like, if you look at the elves, many of the elves who are some of the greatest warriors are also some of the greatest magic users. Think Finrod Felagund. He has a magic singing battle with Sauron and barely loses, but he's also a great warrior. I mean, it's like the two are not incompatible. So, 
Describing Elrond as mighty could mean a number of things, and it could mean them all at once, much in the same way that Bilbo could mean good morning in many ways all at once to Gandalf. And that doesn't preclude anybody else from also having all kinds of might or power all at once, such as Galadriel. So, the description of Elrond doesn't really tell us a whole lot. The one in The Hobbit is not exactly the same, but it's the same kind of flavor. It doesn't tell us anything about who he is, it's just describing how he seems. So that doesn't tell us a whole lot. So to get any more, we really have to go into Elrond's history. And his history is pretty sparse. We know relatively little about Elrond's history. We know, for instance, almost nothing of his activities in the First Age. He was born near the end of the First Age, and seemingly didn't do much except to get orphaned, uh, lost, found, and adopted. And then I doubt he was even old enough to participate in the War of Wrath at the end of the First Age. In the Second Age, there are relatively few opportunities to get involved in battle that we know of. I mean, there might have been stray orcs wandering around that could have been, you know, targets for combat in you know, many parts of the Second Age, but we don't have any recorded instances of that, per se. So, the only two times that we know of in the Second Age that Elrond really would have been involved in any kind of a war situation are when Sauron invades Eregion in roughly the middle of the Second Age after he's created the One Ring and Celebrimbor hides the Elven Rings, and the War of the Last Alliance at the very end of the Second Age. And in both of these, we know that he took part. So, he was sent by Gilgalad, who was the king that he was under in Linden, Gilgalad being the high king of the remaining Noldor, and he was sent to Eregion to relieve it from Sauron, and that, you know, didn't necessarily end all that well, and eventually Elrond was forced to retreat and then set up in Ladris, or Rivendell, where he holed up as a basically under siege himself, and he held off Sauron's forces until he was relieved. That said, we don't know a whole lot about him in terms of what exactly he did in any of this. We know that he was the commander in these two instances, but we don't know exactly how much fighting he would have engaged in. And... For a moment here, I want to go on a brief tangent about commanders fighting in Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion and such. So, one of the things that we see a lot in the Lord of the Rings is many times we do have the kings and commanders getting involved in fights personally, and we don't see them holding aloof from the fray. We see this many times. We see Theoden doing it. We see many high kings of the Noldor doing it in the First Age, Fingolfin, Fingon, Feanor. Uh, We see a lot of instances of this. But we also see some instances of them not doing it. And specifically, I'm thinking of Aragorn at the Battle of the Black Gate. Aragorn at the Black Gate does not actually fight. He is standing kind of in the middle of the, the collected armies of Gondor and Rohan with Gandalf, watching the battle proceed, and he's not personally engaging in combat himself. Now, what is the significance of this? And I actually got into a bit of a discussion with somebody on Twitter about this whole topic. 
And my argument is Aragorn is holding aloof in this particular instance precisely because he is now the leader and presumptive king of Gondor. He hasn't been crowned yet, but that is presumably what's going to happen after the battle is over, if they survive, and Frodo does his job, which, of course, is what happens. And Aragorn is holding aloof because if he gets involved in personal combat and gets killed, the line of kings is gone. There's nothing left. And also because you don't want your your leader to die. That tends to crush morale a little bit, which is why... Well, and it also crushes chain of command in a lot of ways. Uh, that doesn't matter necessarily as much in a battle situation such as this, not as much as it would in, say, you know, just the recent pre-modern history of British and French armies with highly regimented command structure and, you know, lines on a battlefield. But it does matter. So we see Aragorn fighting in other instances before this, but that's usually in a case where he doesn't have an army at his back and he doesn't yet have anything like assurance that he's going to be king of Gondor. So what about all the other kings who do a lot of fighting? Theoden does it. Well, Theoden is the ruler of a culture where everybody's a warrior. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of the way it works. And also, he's very much in in the kind of traditional berserker mode when he charges in the Battle of Pelennor Fields. That's kind of what he's doing right there. A lot of the other kings that we see fighting, or leaders that we see fighting, are often doing it in moments of extremity. So, for example, Fingolfin, he kind of goes crazy and goes and challenges Morgoth one-to-one. He doesn't actually engage in combat that we know of in the main battle of the Dagor Bragalach, but after that battle has resulted in huge losses, he's like, okay, well, fine, I'm just going to go fight Morgoth myself. Fingon, likewise, doesn't seem to have been really engaged in the personal combat, as far as we can tell, until the very end, where he gets cut off from everybody, surrounded, and he's the last man standing. The same could be said of many people. Feanor gets involved in combat, but that's also because he's kind of a hothead and, you know, kind of stupid, (laughs) because he, he chases after the forces of Mordor and, again, gets cut off, and there he is. So it's not really 100% clear that the kings and leaders fighting along with their rank-and-file soldiers was a normal thing, and another example of this would be Turgon. In the fall of Gondolin, Turgon kind of holds aloof in his tower while most of the siege and the battle is going on. He doesn't really engage in the combat himself, and he is okay with being kind of protected. And Turgon has his faults, certainly, but I don't think anybody would say he was a coward or totally just prideful, and therefore that's why he was holding back. I don't think we could justly say that of Turgon. So, I don't think it's fair to say that every leader in every situation gets involved in combat. So, would Elrond have done that in the Second Age Wars that he was involved in? Not clear. We also know that he was the Herald of Gilgalad, and the interesting thing about that is the only other Herald we know of is Gandalf, and that's at the Battle of the Black Gate, and Gandalf also holds aloof. So, again, the fact that he's his herald doesn't tell us much. Now, the one thing that I think does tell us a pretty good bit about Elrond is actually the fact that he, along with Círdan and Isildur, are the backup for Elendil and Gilgalad in the fight against Sauron himself on the slopes of Mount Doom. The reason I think this is because if all three of them are there fighting alongside 
Gilgalad and Elendil, they can't all just be sitting back watching Elendil and Gilgalad doing all the work. Sauron is powerful enough that I am sure he's fighting all five of them in some capacity, one way or the other. So Elrond is probably participating in that fight, and therefore he's probably a pretty solid warrior, because otherwise he probably wouldn't have made it out alive. Gilgalad and Elendil are the ones who finish off Sauron, but that doesn't mean the other three didn't do anything to participate in that process. They were probably all chipping in in their own way. So I think that's a pretty good basis to say that Elrond was a a warrior and did engage in some fighting and was probably pretty good at it. Does that mean he's one of the greatest warriors of the Second Age? Mm, that's stretching it. I mean, we only know of two instances where he could have even gotten involved in combat at a you know significant degree, and that's the two wars in the Second Age. After the Second Age is over, we know of no instances of him ever being involved in war again in the Third Age. So, greatest warrior in the Second Age, or one of the greatest warriors in the Second Age? I don't know that we can say that. I really don't think we have that much evidence. Do we have evidence that he was a warrior? Yes. Do we have evidence that he was a pretty good warrior? Yes. It's circumstantial, and so not extremely clear or strong, but it's there. So, yeah, I'll grant it's probable that Elrond was a warrior. Was he ever a warrior prior to the wars of with Sauron? There's no way to know that, period. So that's the evidence on Elrond. Now let's look at Galadriel. Galadriel, of course, has never given a description that would make her out to be a warrior in the way that Elrond is described in both The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, but in some of the unfinished unfinished tales material that Tolkien wrote, where he kind of goes into her backstory and does some of that stuff, he mentions that her mate her mother name is Nerwin, which means man maiden, and that she is tall, just as tall as all the men. She's as athletic. She can compete with the men athletes of her day, and so we know physically she seems to be very capable, even in, compared to men elves. And remember, these aren't just male elves, they are male high elves in Valinor, which means they're kind of like the peak of all elvendom when it comes to the things that they can do. And let's be honest, she is probably more powerful as a magic user if we want to use that really lame term. I'm sure Tolkien would not want to use that term, but for sake of what I'm doing here, it's going to have to work. She is probably more powerful as a magic user in that way than Elrond is, because Elrond is not a high elf. He is descended from some high elves, and he's got some pretty powerful blood in him, but Galadriel was actually there in Valinor. She saw the light of the trees and all this other stuff. Does that mean that she is more powerful physically than Elrond? Mm, hard to say. Uh, but we also get one version of a story in which she fights alongside the Teleri, and fights uh, against Feanor and his group at the Kinslaying at the Alqualande. We don't get a whole lot of detail on this. It just says she fights on their side against Feanor and his crew. So we actually have some explicit reference to Galadriel being in a combat situation. We don't really hear a whole lot about it. We, you know, get the fact that she did it and that she, you know, was at least 
somewhat competent at it, but that doesn't tell us a whole heck of a lot. The other complicated factor here is that Galadriel's backstory changed quite a bit over time because Tolkien went through several iterations, and every time he rewrote her backstory, she got more and more impressive and a bit more and more like a Mary Sue. I mean, by the end of it, he was contemplating having her leave Valinor independently of Feanor and going off in to, back to Middle-earth you know, basically by herself with Celeborn just because that's just something she wanted to do, and it just so happens that Feanor is off doing his own thing on the, in the same way. And then, you know, I mean, just by the end of it, Galadriel looks like such a an overpowered, over-important character that's like, okay, Tolkien, step back just just a little bit. Don't 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 make the character so great that we have to, you know, reconsider everything we thought we knew about her. Um, I don't necessarily think his end result would have been that, because I think even he probably would have stepped back a little bit and said, eh, maybe not. Hard to say, though. But the point is, over time, Galadriel was becoming greater and greater in Tolkien's mind, and we don't have any indication that he ever abandoned the idea that she was just as tall, strong, fast, and everything else as the boys. So, what evidence we do have regarding Galadriel is to the extent that we, you know, have to take account of the fact that it's one version among many, there is at least explicit reference to her fighting in a combat situation. Now, on the flip side of that, at the end of the Third Age, after the ring is destroyed, we have, you know, elves fighting in both Lothlorien and Mirkwood, and fighting against the hordes of Sauron that have come from Dol Guldur. After Sauron falls... These forces are pushed back to Dol Guldur, and it's Celeborn leading the army, but then Galadriel throws down the walls of Dol Guldur, which, bearing in mind that she has no elven ring to rely upon at this point, means that her ability to use what we might call magic is pretty up there even without the elven ring, which is a, if you think about it, a pretty terrifying prospect. When Sam says to Faramir that you could break yourself on Galadriel... He means it. Galadriel is serious stuff to be reckoned with, and you don't want to get in her way. Uh, that doesn't mean that she is necessarily going to come out with a sword and wipe you off the map physically, but certainly she is powerful in many respects. And remember, this is not D&D. There are no classes. Aragorn is not a ranger by class. He's a ranger because he's just a guy who ranges about with no home. You know, I mean, it's not how it works. Some people you can kind of put into a category like that because that's just how they are, like Boromir, classic warrior type, right? I mean, he doesn't really seem to have any other major skills, but the rest of them you can't really plug into just one little, you know, class category as if this is a RPG of some kind. You can't do that. So saying that Galadriel is supposed to be this wise, powerful magic user and not a warrior is thinking of this in terms of a false dichotomy. She can be both. Finrod was both. Many other characters have been both in the history of Middle-earth. So the idea that Galadriel couldn't be both, and that her being a warrior is a downgrade to her character, that, I think, is a little bit unwarranted in terms of what we have for evidence on either end. So at the end of the day, what's the conclusion here? The conclusion is there is very little evidence for 
either of them being great warriors. We know that in at least one version of Galadriel's story, she actually fought physically on the side of the Tellery with against Feanor, and we know that Elrond probably was doing some fighting against Sauron and may well have done some fighting in the War of the Last Alliance otherwise and in the earlier war in the Second Age. None of this tells us that either of them are top-of-the-line, best-of-the-best, awesome warriors, and it certainly doesn't tell us that either of them engaged in hand-to-hand combat or other, you know, on-the-ground war-type activities on a regular basis. The evidence that we do have seems to suggest that Galadriel, for instance, after the First Age, moved into the east towards, you know, Eriador and all that, and stayed there and stayed out of the wars of the First Age, and then in the Second and Third Ages was mostly kind of trying to take a strategic approach and, you know, set up defenses against Sauron, but not necessarily open warfare. And this comes back to another comment that a lot of people have used, and this is... The, the people who were siding with, yeah, Galadriel as a warrior is a great idea, use this quote and I think misuse it. It's the idea that when she was in, you know, in the Second Age looking at things to do and she saw the el- the dwarves of, of Moria, or Khazad-dûm as it would have been, been called, looked on them with the eye of a war- of a commander, rather, and thought of them as probably the best defense against the orcs. It's like, well... Yes, she's looking at them as a commander. That's a simile in the same way that saying that Elrond is as hale as a mighty warrior is a simile. It doesn't mean that she is actually a commander going out and doing war stuff. It just means that she's looking at them with a strategic eye, seeing their potential as warriors against orcs. It doesn't mean that she is a commander. So I think the people who are using that line are taking that and and doing things with it that aren't really justified. So I don't think that evidence really tells us much about Galadriel one way or the other. It does tell us that she is a strategic thinker, and that seems to be a lot of what she's doing in the Second Age. A lot of what we know that Elrond does in either the Second or Third Ages is being a lore master and eventually a healer, which may have something to do with why he doesn't really do a whole lot of warring in the Third Age, because he's focused on those activities instead. So both of them don't really seem to be the ones that just go out and, you know, do things physically you know, in the contest against Sauron on a regular basis because they have other focuses. Elrond doesn't end up being even High King of the Noldor. He just ends up being Lord Elrond of Rivendell, and that's it. There is no more High King after Gilgalad. So that's the evidence, really. That's all the evidence we have, for the most part, on either of them. Now, my personal view, and this is where I come back to my caveat from earlier, is that Elrond probably engaged in more hand-to-hand combat than Galadriel ever did. If I had to put my money on something, I would say that Elrond probably engaged in some, you know, hand-to-hand combat in the war in where Eregion was sacked, and probably in the War of the Last Alliance, even before the fighting at Mount Doom against Sauron, because you don't fight for the first time against Sauron and have no experience. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And, it, you know, even if it's only just in training exercises, that, you know, you still have to do some serious training to fight with medieval-type weapons. That's just a, a fact. You can't just get up and do it. So the idea that Elrond would have been a warrior, I think, is well enough substantiated on an inferential basis that we can say, yes, he was a warrior, 
I just don't think we can say that he was one of the great warriors of the Second Age, because we just don't have that kind of evidence. So I think he engaged in hand-to-hand combat, and he probably did it at least two or three times. And by two or three, I mean there's two wars plus the fight with Sauron at the very end. But how much actual fighting did he do? Very unclear. Galadriel, I suspect, if she engaged in hand-to-hand combat at all in Tolkien's final conception, let's say, would have been at Alcolande, and that's probably it. After that, she seems to me to have taken on more of a Melian-type role where she becomes, you know, she becomes Melian's understudy, in a sense, in uh, Menegroth in Doriath. And then when she goes her own way with Celeborn and goes into the east, into Eriador, and eventually to Lothlorien and all this, she seems to have been in kind of that same vein. Lothlorien ends up being an echo of Doriath, and even in her moving about prior to that, she is doing things that are more strategic in nature, not combat-focused. So her her role seems to be, in some ways, more like what we get Gandalf doing when he arrives in Middle-earth, going around trying to strategically you know, get the right people to do the right things so that Sauron doesn't just win. So that that's my impression of the evidence we do have in terms of the way it works. And so, yes, I very much disagree with Galadriel being cast as the commander of Gilgalad's northern armies. I also very much dislike the description of Elrond as an ambitious politician. Now, what does that mean? I'm recording this before I've seen any episodes of The Rig of Power, so I don't know what it means to call him a politician. This is just the language that was put out by, you know, I don't even remember where it originated, but this is the kind of stuff that was put out before the show. So I don't know exactly what that means. Does it mean that he's actually going to be acting in a political way and trying to rise through the ranks? Rise through the ranks of what? Elvish culture is not very political. I mean, there's some hostilities sometimes where you get politics involved like the High Kingship after Finway dies in the First Age, but but other than that, there's really not any politicking going on. They don't have elected offices. They don't, I mean, they just have hierarchies. That's the way Elvish culture is. And the idea that he would be an ambitious politician, that that language just rubs me so wrong, and I'm sure it would probably rub Tolkien wrong too, because he wasn't very fond of politicians himself. Uh, so I don't like either categorization, and I certainly don't think Galadriel being the commander of Gilgalad's northern armies makes a whole lot of sense. She doesn't seem to have been formally much of a part of Gilgalad's kingdom in any way, let alone in that way, and the idea that you know she would be doing that seems not really compatible with the kinds of things that Tolkien did write her doing in the Second Age. That doesn't mean she couldn't have been involved in some kind of, you know, warrior capacity from time to time. We have no evidence of it, and we don't have any evidence that she would have done it on a regular basis. So I don't like either categorization, and I therefore I don't really like the way that they're setting this up. My point here is not to say that what they're doing is totally fine. My point is rather to address the people who are criticizing it and saying you might want to think about the way in which you're criticizing it because you're betraying your own misconceptions more than you are showing the faults of Amazon and their 
you know, marketing or whoever it is that's making these decisions and using this type of language. Because saying that Elrond was a great, one of the greatest warriors in the Second Age, we don't know that. We don't know that any more than we know that Galadriel never picked up a sword and fought people. In fact, we know that she did pick up her sword and fight people in one version of her history. And that version of her history might well have been the one that Tolkien eventually settled on. We don't know. He certainly considered it, and therefore he certainly didn't consider it some kind of demeaning of her character for her to be engaged in combat, in the right circumstances, at least. So, my point is not to say that Amazon is totally fine making Elrond a wimpy little politician and not a warrior, and Galadriel a warrior at the expense of everything else, which we don't even know, by the way. Elrond is a politician at the early stage of the story, maybe, but we've got four more seasons, and he's probably going to be involved in some of the wars that get around, and therefore he might have a chance to be a warrior. We don't know that that's not going to happen. As I said earlier, he wasn't involved in any wars that we know of prior to the middle of the Second Age. What was he doing then? Being a nobody? I mean, he had to be something. So, the idea that he's not a warrior at all, that's a hasty judgment. And as Treebeard would say, don't be hasty. So you're making assumptions based on evidence we don't have. You're calling him one of the greatest warriors, which we don't have evidence of either. And you're saying that Galadriel would be demeaned by being a warrior when that's not really true based on Tolkien's own writings. Now, does Tolkien think of her as doing that all the time? I doubt it. I certainly don't get that idea from the texts that we do have from Tolkien. I also don't get the idea that he would like Elrond being called a politician, as I mentioned earlier. But I'm just trying to clarify my point here. I am not trying to agree with Amazon. I am trying to point out that if you're going to point out the problems with the way Amazon is doing it, please do it right and don't say things you have no warrant for. Because if you actually look at the evidence, it's kind of even-handed, almost. It's not nearly as obvious that they have literally just flipped the two characters on their heads, as you might think. I have a feeling a lot of people are deriving their image of Elrond as this great warrior from Peter Jackson's movies, rather than anything in the text. Now, that's not to say that there's nothing in the text. I already said, there, are, there is stuff in the text. But how much of the text really supports the idea, as I mentioned, I don't think really a whole lot. So... Those are my thoughts on this whole topic. As the Rings of Power show progresses, and especially as we get into more seasons where more things start to happen and you get more wars once Sauron reveals himself, which I assume is going to happen eventually, we will see what they do with these characters. And it'll be interesting to see whether Elrond becomes a mighty warrior and Galadriel moves more into that strategic and magic user, I again hate that phrase, role. But... We don't know that they won't, and we don't know that they will, and so at this point, it's a little bit early to complain that much, and so I'm just going to leave it there. So, as you know, we'll just leave the topic here for now. We're nowhere near figuring out everything, so just cool the engines, people. Take a look at it. Remember what the actual text says when you want to argue something, and, you know, keep it reasonable. That's all I'm arguing for here. So that'll do it for this video. Just wanted to explore that topic a little bit because a lot of people were 
on it one way or the other, and I think both sides were exaggerating their own, you know, how, how strong their own arguments were. And I just wanted to point out that, you know, you're all kind of overestimating your own evidence. So that being said, I will you know, leave the video here. And as usual, you can find all my social links in the description below. Catch my Tolkien trivia on Twitter. And until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namarie. Thanks to all my Patreon and Utreon supporters, including Ringbearers Ego Voice and Emir Ali, and Elf Friends PA Brew News, Tracy Meehan, Nathan DeFore, and Paul Leone.